Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. My name is Duke Rivard. Today we have a great episode with Amy Lathrop and Allison Martin from Doxa Church in Bellevue, Washington. Uh, we, we have a great discussion about women's ministry as women's discipleship. We'll talk about the differences between limitation and invitation. Uh, limitation being uh, an emphasis on what women can't do in the church versus invitation, which really seeks to discover the gifts of every woman and to call each woman into the really fruitful and exciting mission of God, of making disciples, serving meaningfully in the building up of the body. Now, this is such an important conversation because if we're ever going to see gospel saturation, it's going to require us to mobilize the entire church, which certainly includes women. Um, if you've experienced women's ministry as theologically light or overly simple, or maybe even too focused on some feminine tropes, uh, this episode's for you. Uh, we're really going to get a chance to, to have a great robust conversation with some women who are practitioners. They're leading leadership development cohorts for women. They're mobilizing leaders. They're sitting with women and discovering their stories and figuring out ways of helping them grow up into their gifts and to utilize their gifts for the gospel advance. With that, let's jump in on this important conversation about women's ministry as women's disruption. Amy, Allison, uh, welcome to Saturate Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, excited to be here. It's been a while since I've been with the Saturate community, so it's good. Yeah, it's a, it's a reunion tour. I'm really, really thankful, Amy, that you're back. Why don't we start with you? Tell us just a little bit, Amy, like bring us up to speed on what your life looks like at this point, this season, and in crazy COVID, a new role, and, and everything else. Yeah, um, happy to. Yeah, let's see. This past year has been a complete uh, surprise (laughs) in so many ways. I think um, in a lot of ways, I stepped into my role at DOXA um, overseeing women's DNA just as COVID was starting. And so just having to um, kind of pivot and rethink what uh, discipleship means in the midst of a pandemic as well as the rest of um, our crazy life. You know, I am a mom. Um, My kids are in their early 20s and doing well. I'm also a full-time grad school or full-time in grad school, uh, pursuing a master's of psychology. Um, And so it's been a really hard year in a lot of ways. Um, Yeah, just I think um, not only uh, wrestling with uh, the pandemic, but just a lot of the issues that have surfaced in this past year with the political environment or, um, yeah, political environment, um, the racial injustice and just grappling with, uh, the church's response to that. Um, in addition to just, you know, everyday life of, of what does this, uh, mean to be a believer in this day and age in this city of Seattle, um, I'm sure everybody heard some crazy stories coming out of Seattle uh, this summer. And and so it's just been a really good year to kind of rethink what does it mean to be a faithful follower of Jesus and to be yeah. a countercultural, non-anxious presence. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, it's been good <laughs> in a lot of ways, really stretching and challenging, um, but but good. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for the update. I mean, that's that's really, like you said, it's some intense and challenging kind of circumstances. But it sounds like a, a growth opportunity as well to really press in and grow personally and even help others as they grow up into 
you know, the current moment. Uh, Allison, love to hear the same from you as well. What's what's life look like for you and your family? As I know you and your husband serves as the elder at Doxa, and you guys are all hands on deck in the church and ministry and life uh, in, in the midst of a crazy, crazy time. It has been crazy. Yes, we're going on one year now of our three elementary school kids not being in in-person school. So that's definitely been a challenge to juggle with with work and and other things. But but you know, I've also enjoyed the family time. I feel like I've gotten to know my kids in ways that I just didn't know them as well before, which is just kind of a funny thing to to think about. Um but yeah, just the Lord's been teaching us a lot through this. I have been learning how to slow down, which is kind of, you know, forced on you when you're in a stay at home order and just, yeah, and things at DOXA, man, it's just been so many new beginnings and taking on this new role with missional communities and on the leadership team. Um, yeah, I just feel a lot of, of growth and gratefulness for our church leadership. I think a lot in a lot of ways, this has brought out the the best in us and mm. it's, yeah, it's been good. It's, it's been hard as well, <laughs> but there's been a lot of uh, fruit coming out of it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys for, for the update. Well, let's jump right in on this, this big idea of women's ministry as women's discipleship. And, and as we get started, I'd love to hear from you guys. What, what commonly comes to mind when, when people think of women's ministry? I think it can, <laughs> I think the reality is that women's ministry, it's, it's its own thing. And we don't necessarily think as much between in, in like that we are doing the Great Commission together as men and women. I think the women's ministry thing is often its own separate thing, and you don't see as much overlap between men and women. Okay, it's kind of a silo of like a special interest niche kind of reality. Yes. Yeah, that's what comes to mind for me. What about you, Amy? Yeah, I think um, in addition to what you just said, that it's – like approved slash relegated roles. So like with children or women teaching women um, or administration, um, hospitality. So there are certain um, roles, which some of those things are areas that I am gifted in and and I I really enjoy serving. So I don't mean to like poo-poo any role, but it seems like there are like um, well-worn trenches of, of certain, um, avenues that women can pursue. Okay. Yeah. So I'm hearing kind of a narrowness of like a narrowing of responsibility or opportunity, uh, maybe even limitation, right? Like the, the, the accent being on what you can't do and maybe the few things that you can do. And that's kind of what resounds. Uh, what else are there? I mean, we might even talk about a few of the, the, the tropes in the church that get kind of pegged with women. I know you guys are both strong leaders. I know you have a ton to bring to the church, to the kingdom of God. What are some of the, the really unhelpful folk theology tropes that have been handed down that sometimes feel like you have to work around to, to serve in the church? I think if you think about like content of maybe what you would have at your average men's event versus a women's event, women want theology and to understand the word of God in just as just as much as men do. And I so I think one trope is if you look at 
you know, and I, I don't mean to like say all churches are like this, but just if you're talking about like, you know, old school, whatever, that like the content of a women's ministry uh, or a women's event would just be a little less uh, intense and theological than at a men's event. So maybe, you know, of like, like what Amy was hitting on before, like hospitality, that's a good godly thing. That is a great gift. But mm-hmm. like, we also want the theology. Yeah. The academic stuff. Uh, yeah, absolutely. What about you, Amy? What have you had to kind of work around just in terms of inherited, the, you know, kind of tropes that have been maybe projected onto you at different times? Yeah, I think, um, I think as, um, like a, a woman and as a deacon, um, I think that I've had to kind of work against that. Um, I don't check my spiritual authority, um, at kind of the door of the church that men and women have, uh, equal spiritual authority and not spiritual authority, like over, but for on behalf of God's kingdom and that God has given us all equal, um, spiritual authority. Um, and that, that God fully intends um, for us to to be side by side in this way. Um, and uh, like I was just thinking, Dallas Willard says that God calls us to a, a direct and fully self-conscious personal relationship with him in which we share responsibility with him in the exercise of his authority. Both women and men share in this responsibility to exercise God's authority, and so I think that's that's one area that I've seen a deficit of, um, you know, will, women just not either living into their spiritual authority or even just realizing they have it. It's um, yeah that that the Spirit is working just as powerfully in and through them as um, He is in in the men in our church. So yeah, I think that's one area. Yeah, I love that. You brought up Dallas Willard, and and it's funny because the last podcast I recorded, we also commented that this podcast is brought to you by Dallas Willard, and here we go again. <laughs> I'm about to, to share a, a discipleship definition that I know Doxa Church has also at least uh, entertained and, and at times is even structured with, with in view. But Dallas Willard says that a disciple is someone who's learning to be with Christ, to become like Christ, and to do what you know, Christ did. Uh, so this idea of, of relationship being with, you're kind of mentioning that becoming like, you know, your sanctification and conform to the image of Christ and then beginning to engage in the real world, uh, of, of making disciples and caring for the poor and, and seeing the kingdom break into the, the places where we live and inhabit. And so if we think about women's ministry moving from, uh, you know, a niche small thing to, let's say, the Great Commission of all those things. I'd love to talk about how you guys are actively engaged on that front line of disciple making uh, in the church. And so uh, I'll start with you, Amy. I know you oversee uh, DNA groups. Uh, for those who are listening and not familiar with the DNA group, it's a it's a, usually a same-sex triad uh, that gets after you know, the accountability and, 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 and growth, the development, sanctification, a lot of the one another verses, confession of sin, just really getting after the, the really, uh, you know, uh, personal aspects of our discipleship. So, I mean, maybe walk us through, like, what does it look like for you to equip women? Uh, maybe with even that, that, that discipleship definition from, from Willard in mind. Yeah. Um, I, I think, 
one of the ways, well, I, I would first say that in our DNAs here at DOXA, that we don't have DNA leaders per se, but points of contact um, within each DNA. And so, um, because we have wanted our DNAs to see themselves as co-leaders and equally responsible for their discipleship and the health of their groups versus waiting for someone to tell them or show them what to do. Um, And in this way, I think the stronger leaders do create a safe space for women to get to step into a role of leader within their DNA and try that on and to grow in learning to listen um, to the voice of God in their life and to listen to the leadership of the spirit. Um, And so our our DNAs are maybe a little bit different in structure um, of them being co-led together. but I think, um, I think as it, like I said before, as I stepped into the role of, of uh, overseeing women's DNA, I dreamt about all of these <laughs> maybe more formal trainings that I, I wanted to, to explore, and then COVID hit. And so then it was kind of pivoting as what does it look like to continue to disciple people from a distance um, and to raise up new leaders and to spiritually form um, people? Because I think that's really the purpose of DNA is being known and being spiritually fo- formed as we're known. Um And so we've spent this past year, um, Ken Flower, who oversees men's DNA, and I have been writing spiritual formation guides that the DNAs and MCs and even individuals used, um, where we focus on a different um, uh, discipline each quarter. And uh, we're doing that again this year. Um, And so those have been more like structural ways. But I think The bulk of my leadership this past year has really been helping uh, women in learning how to lead um, or how to be an embodied follower of Jesus. Um, I think I've seen like two prevalent things uh, a few come up a few times this year that um, women feel that there are a lot of rules to follow to be holy and acceptable. I think that's within the church and in their, their personal lives and in culture. And that women are operating at a deficit of love, care, and understanding about who they've been created to be. Um, And so when I talk about being an embodied follower of Jesus, um, I think I'm really helping them learn how to pay attention to what's going on inside themselves um, in order to be curious about... um, how they are feeling and reacting. I think um, as women, we spend a lot of time being reactive um, uh, because we are acting out of that deficit. Um, and so just learning to, to pay attention to feelings and not dismiss them in order to, to understand um, like how our stories are connected with the way that we live our lives. Yeah. That's um, yeah. 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 Now I want to ask you about that because you know, when I look at a lot of churches, I see the resource going a lot of times to Sunday, you know, almost disproportionately so. And then maybe some out to small groups or missional communities. And then to me, and even within some churches that have DNA, sometimes I think the 
the leadership investment and the time investment on the actual support of DNA groups is pretty minimal. So just even hearing you say that there's a men and women's DNA director for DOXA to me just says that's that's a lot of resource going towards this discipleship environment. So how what are the what are the venues? Like where do you get time with women? How do you how do you uh, resource and encourage. I'm hearing about the guide and the curriculum, which is huge. Um, yeah, what are the other venues where you have access to help strengthen the DNA reality of the church? Yeah, um, honestly, in this past year, it's been a lot of one-on-one conversations. Um, we've done some, um, you know, uh, let's see. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a lot of one-on-one conversations and, um, you know, and reaching out um, and checking in with people. It's been a lot of proactive. So like when you say Docs is putting a lot of um, resource to DNAs, it's been our primary vehicle for discipleship this year because of COVID. We've only been able to gather in groups of five or less. Um, and and that's been outside. Um And so it's been really equipping our DNAs to continue to gather together um, and to strengthen those DNAs. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I think it's it's been um, helping groups be creative in um, continuing to meet together in a time and a season where, like Allison was talking about, you know, all the kids are home and mom and dad are home and everybody's trying to work together. So when you have, you know, three women in a DNA that are all in that same situation, actually finding time to, to meet, have yet another meeting online has been difficult. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, it's just been a lot of, uh, I think, creative problem solving and prayer and, um, really just checking in and um, uh, finding out how God is using the situation in their heart to kind of get after um, some things that maybe have been buried for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys are available as a resource just to problem solve with groups. If they come to you and say, Hey, we're running into some problems, some challenges, and you can kind of react and help coach them into, Hey, maybe you have you tried this or other DNAs or finding this to be helpful and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the second thing, I think we started what we call community mixers so that we could still form new DNAs in this season. So it's connecting uh, people by region in what we call like starter DNAs. And we created a like a DNA launch guide that um, these new groups go through with a mentor. Um, and so after six weeks, six weeks with a mentor, then they launch out on their own. And so we've done three of those in this past year and have seen several new groups form. Um, yeah, so we've been able to start new groups at the same time that we're strengthening our, our current groups. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. It seems like, man, as you're talking, Amy, I'm just thinking most of the principles that apply in one discipleship environment, like let's say Sunday, um, apply in other environments. So it's like you're talking about an assimilation process of like, how do you get people who are not a part of this to become a part of this? Um, and we got to have a funnel and we got to have a way to move them. And so you guys are using, yeah, community mixers to do that. That's, that's great. Already the infrastructure, both the fact that you've got two staff working on it and even the things you've, you've mentioned are already a lot more resource and infrastructure than what is typically the case, which I expect to just continue to bear more and more fruit, which is which is awesome. Um, 
Allison, I'd love to hear you uh, sound off as well on discipleship from the frame of mission communities. So Saturate is, of course, really well known for mission communities, this idea of mobilizing everyday people to make disciples in the everyday stuff of life. What does that look like for you uh, at DOXA and maybe even specifically as it relates to women being engaged on, on Jesus' mission? Yeah, so I I find that sometimes church culture, uh, a lot of the time when you're looking for a leader, and especially if you're like looking at a married couple, you're looking to the husband. And I we don't do that. It's if you're a married couple and you show an interest in MC leadership, well, I'm assessing both the husband and the wife, and we are training both the husband and the wife together. So I think that's been I think that's been helpful because um, I'm seeing because I, I don't I, I came from a previous church culture where and we call them community groups and it was just like the men who led and women were just kind of on the sidelines and I find the more you treat people like leaders the more they step up to that and they uh, feel like leaders and start showing leadership and I've definitely seen seen that with our women. And then also just specifically seeking out female leaders. I do think just because church culture, sometimes women need that extra, more personalized invitation to step into a leadership role. For us, that looks like MC leadership. It also looks like coaching. And so if I, if I know of a woman who has, who has that gift, I'm going to seek her out and personally invite her into that role, not just the men. And then also really simply, like at, or if we have a coaching session or a meeting or any kind of training, providing childcare, because I've experienced this myself, when you don't provide childcare, you walk in the room and it's all the men. And that's just, you know, that doesn't feel so great. So mm-hmm. we always provide childcare, which is yeah. just small, but practical. Absolutely. And yeah. then just, yeah, keeping an eye out for women too, who have gifts in themselves that maybe they didn't that maybe they take for granted and don't see as a leadership gift and just coming along alongside them to cultivate that and to, you know, encourage them to contribute that in, in MC leadership or coaching. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. That's so, so practical. I hear invitation, calling up women who have gifts that are maybe not, not deployed. And, and you're even saying maybe in the church history, they've never had that invitation. So they are they're not, they're not knowing that they have an option to pursue more. Uh, and so until someone sees it and gives them that invitation, maybe they, they sit, sit on it. Right. And, and they're trying to be, you know, obedient or, or just in compliance with whatever the elders are saying and that kind of thing. But I love that you're calling them up. Um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And you're also just kind of bridging into leadership development in general. You're saying, Hey, our MCs are stronger when men and women are activated in their leadership gifts. Um, what does that look like? What do you guys have leadership infrastructure or if, if I'm a woman and, and let's say you've identified, <laughs> that's weird. Okay. I'm a man, <laughs> but let's say there's a woman in, in, in the church, uh, who you identify as having a lot of, a lot more potential that is being utilized. Like, what do you do? What do you invite them into? What does it look like for them to enter into the leadership development pipeline or otherwise? I feel like a good place to start is just finding out their story and where they do feel gifted, where they do feel called. And that kind of bridges over to a brand new thing that Amy and I are launching next week, which is this women's discipleship cohort. Because I think for a lot of women, 
you know, we, we take our, and I know this is my story. It's not true for all women, but I know I'm not alone in it. Like I had gifts that I didn't even see as gifts. I just was like, oh, this is just kind of how everybody is. And then when somebody sees that and then like encourages you to utilize it and make space for you to utilize it, that's like a really empowering thing. So I think that's part of it. It's like finding out someone's story and what they're bringing into the church, like whether it's past wounds of being overlooked as a woman and then finding out like where they do feel called and gifted and helping them cultivate that. And hopefully this like women, that's our goal with this women's leadership um, cohort. It's not to like pigeon them whole, pigeonhole them into a specific role that we think they should have, but to invite them to bring it to like, listen to the Holy Spirit's prompting of where, where he wants to use them and where he has them. Cause some, some, it's not always about taking on something new, right? Like God has you where he has you right now. And sometimes it's just about opening your eyes to what is around you and, and pursuing, pursuing that. Yeah. I, I love this. I, Cause one of my, gosh, one of my passions is just like trying to figure out where there's latent potential in the church, like where we have all this, this potential that's sitting on the shelf and not being used. Like that's probably the biggest anger, frustration point, like this idea that we would be limping along when there's somebody in the room or in the church that could easily be leading and doing much better if we were just to identify that and deploy them. So I love what you're saying. And and as you're saying that, I'm just thinking, you know, Larry Osborne is, I think it's Sticky Church or Sticky Teeny, one of his books. He, he says that he always goes to the new members class uh, to find out who's the new talent that's showing up to the church so that he can find the gifts and get them activated as quickly as possible. Yeah, I mean, so I'm just hearing that principle that you, maybe Amy and others are looking out and saying, where are the women who are gifts to our church, but we're not, we don't know it yet, or we're not really experiencing the blessing that they are when they get to both first, maybe sometimes be activated for the first time. Maybe at other times they've been leading in other seasons at other places. We don't know. Uh, but we get the story so that we can begin to invite them into uh, the reality of our church and, and, and get all the blessing of that. So, yeah. Really, really love that. Encourage you guys are proactively even building a community to um, to begin to cultivate the people who you know the women that are being you know uh, identified in that way. It's awesome. Yeah. What's the scope and sequence? Like, I mean, what are some of the topics and things that you guys will get after in that environment as you guys get that cohort going? Oh, let's see, Amy. You 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 jump into that. We're we're starting off with story, so we're starting off with like you know, people's own story and, um, and we're getting into Enneagram. Amy, you, you fill in it. <laughs> fill in. There's so many, there's like eight weeks and, sure. um, yeah, go ahead, Amy. Yeah. So, um, basically what we did in this, this first round is we handpicked women <clears throat> to kind of go through this beta, uh, kind of cohort with us to also help us evaluate, um, the content and the, the curriculum. So, um, and that was part of our ask of these women is, Hey, we value your, your, all your leadership, your wisdom, your experience. So could you help us make this better? Um, so we chose women from that perspective and also women that, that who, who we know want to prioritize, um, 
kind of helping the next generation um, of, of women. And, um, and so we started with um, kind of what we thought would be eight to nine core topics, which is story, self-awareness, um, theological distinctives, and women in leadership, um, then spiritual practices, um, marriage and singleness. What does it look like to lead out of your marriage and lead out of your singleness? Um, really taken from emotionally healthy leadership, um, community and evangelism, uh, gospel shepherding, and discerning of personal calling. Um, and that's really what we, we want them to end up with is like, um, through this, this course, <clears throat> what do you discern is a next step for you? Do you know who God's created you to be and how he is releasing you into the world um, to uh, serve his church, to glorify him and to find your own joy? Like, what are your, what are you passionate about? Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I think that's um, kind of the, the framework. And then um, we've put in a curriculum. So they are, they'll be doing something for each of these. So there'll be um, content to read and activities to interact with, and they will, um, they will lead each session also. So it will be um, a lot of interactive. So not that they're just receiving, but they're, they're also participating and helping to shape um, these sessions. That is awesome. Yeah, no, I'm excited for you guys and, and the fruit that'll come. And I know, yeah, anytime you start something new, the beta is there and then you, you keep building on it. And it sounds like, gosh, it'll be a really, really fruitful uh, opportunity. And, and not, not to toot y'all's horn too much, but I, I wonder, my guess is that you're in the extreme minority of churches that are giving that much emphasis and resource to women's leadership development. And I just expect that it's going to bear a lot of fruit. And I'll be excited just to hear um yeah, all that happens downstream as a result. So that's that's really really exciting. Um, you know, men and women are different, right? I mean, we could we, we don't want to dis- dissolve all distinctions between genders. Um, what you know, I'd love to just get your perspective on what do you think leaders need to consider as they minister to and equip women? Like, uh, you know, there there are, there are uniquenesses there that we need to keep in mind as we as we lead forward. So, what, what comes to mind for you guys there? I feel like um, first find out what you're working with, like what I was talking about before with getting to know people's story and what they're bringing into this. Uh, Because that way you can know how to better love and equip and serve these women well. Because you just, everyone has their own baggage. Like there are people who are just worn down by being overlooked or relegated to the administrative or kids roles. Uh, you have people who are checked out because no one ever pursues them about or or empowers them to flourish in their unique gifting. And then you might have others who feel isolated because you don't want to be the only woman in leadership and you don't want to be like, you know, the token woman, which um, I, I shared a little bit before, like before uh, MC leader coaching before we had childcare, my husband was like, oh yeah, well, why don't you why don't you go to coaching and I'll take the kids home. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I walked into the auditorium. It was all men. And I was like, Nope. <laughs> and, and you're like, where's up. your husband? I know. <laughs> I, I think today, Allison would just be like, yeah, I'm, you know, trailblazing. But years ago, Allison was not like that. So I just took my kids and went home where I felt like, I guess that's 
you know, where I belong. Uh, Because like you need to understand too, like even when you're talking about women in leadership, that once you do get like one or two women in there, it can for some still feel uncomfortable to just be in these meetings and trainings and it's like all men. Um, So I would say that that's number one, like find out what you're working with, find out the stories. And then also we already said, like, don't assume that they want to do kids or admin. And in fact, I think it's important to pursue men for those roles because we need to see men doing the kids stuff, doing the admin stuff, just as much as we need to see women in leadership, I think. So I think we confuse God's unique and perfect design of men and women for gender bias and stereotyping. So, yeah, you know, that's just that's not huge. A, a yeah. Great thing. I love that. Yeah, yeah. That's really helpful. I mean, what would you add? Yeah. Just in terms of things leaders should consider when they're ministering uh, to women or, or even with women to see the, the church activated. Yeah. I feel like in some, some respects we need to normalize women in leadership, that it shouldn't be this unicorn. Um, and, uh, that we, we need to demonstrate um, serving equally side by side. Um, and I love, so like Allison and I serve alongside the, the elders on a, a staff leadership team. And so we get to set cult, help set the culture, help uh, make decisions for direction of the church and for our staff. And um, that has just personally, um, well, just to back up a little bit, I was one of those leaders Allison was talking about as a woman I'm coaching MCs um, and leading in a lot of ways, but it was kind of isolating and lonely um, because I didn't feel yet welcomed into like, or with the men in leadership. So it was, it was like we were talking about before. It's like kind of this siloed track. And I think docs has done a really great job of bringing men and women, women in leadership uh, more side by side and normalizing it. Um, but I do think one of the things that I've noticed is that other men in the church, um, like I would say probably not in staff, they don't always know how to lead alongside with women. So just as we are equipping women to lead, we also need to equip men on how to lead alongside with women. Um, I think there's been instances where Alice and I were talking about this uh, before with one of our leaders where she'll she'll talk to somebody or she'll talk to this person about some serious stuff that's going on in our church or like updates and and he'll he'll be like, Oh, okay, yeah, let me talk to your husband or let me let me talk to Pastor So and so, you know, instead of like not seeing Allison as like like you know, with authority to give him this news. Um, so I think I see that sometimes. And then I also see, you know, men kind of looking over the tops of the heads of women, looking for the right man for whatever role or, or, um, uh, yeah, role they're trying to fill. And so I think there has to be kind of this equal, equal equipping on both sides, but kind of from a different perspective. Yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah, I, I mean, until you said that, I had not thought of the fact that there's probably some um, re, uh, reframing and equipping for men as well. So if it's going to really gel and you're going to, you know, it's not enough that in a closed room, you and Allison are telling a woman, hey, you can totally do this, like come in and lead. But then the men haven't gotten the memo or aren't there and they're not really agreeing functionally with you about that. And so it's hard and women feel there's invitation, but then it was functionally a slam door when they really got there or something. Um, so yeah, the men need, need to name this uh, and identify it. Uh, 
have a friend, actually, Amy, you know, Albert Paul, he says what we're not talking about frames the relationship as much as what we are talking about. <laughs> so it's like, what are we not talking about uh, in terms of men and women and how we operate together in the church? Um, it's probably shaping a lot of things for people. And let's name those things. Are those intentional decisions and in how we're operating or are they unintentional? Are they inherited from some other time that but we haven't examined them? We haven't considered if that's the biblical or the way we should be operating. Uh, we might need to look at the windshield a little bit and, and, and name some things that have not been helpful for women to, to fully be activated. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really, really helpful. Um, I'd love to close with a question and this is the blind spot question. So what question should I be asking you guys about women's discipleship, but I'm not because I'm a man and I don't know to ask it. I don't, I just don't know what it's like to be a woman in this reality. Um, yeah. What would you say there? Honestly, Duke, it's the question you already have. I think, like, what do you wish elders and other male leaders understood about women or women's discipleship? I would, I would just say, um, like, I think one thing is to address the husbands as well um, for those who are married, because we talk so much about male leadership and where the man is leading things, but leadership also looks like supporting your wife to allow her to flourish and to allow her to lead. And, you know, I've, I'm just so blessed with such a godly husband, but, and like, this has been our story, like throughout, you know, both of us getting involved in ministry. And like, I lead in a ministry called Journey Groups, which is like a gospel shepherding small group. And he stays home with the kids so I can be freed up to do that. And I, it's like, it's so simple, but that's also him leading me well. And I think that gets lost with, with some husbands. Like, it's more like, oh, I'm the husband. I'm the leader. These are all the things I have to do. It's like, well, you also have a, a wife that's also designed and called to lead. So how can you support her and free her up to be able to do that? Like, that's a beautiful picture of, of godly leadership. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've seen that with, um, even pastoral couples, right? So you're a staff, you got, your, your women are both on staff. And so, um, and I've, I've seen it where, you know, sometimes a, a male staff member, let's say is, is freed up to go do a day of prayer away. Right. And, and there is a childcare, there is a, who's going to pick up the kids from school and who's going to do that or this. And so, but the idea that the marriage would be reciprocal, right? It's like, Hey, you need a prayer day away. Like go connect with Jesus. That's a big deal. Hey, I want the wife to go do that. And there's times when maybe the wife said, Hey, I want my husband to be able to do that. I, it's a, it's a reciprocal uh, investment in I'm going to take on service for the benefit of my spouse. And so some men need to hear that, you know, uh, are you doing that? Are you making sacrifices to free your wife up to be equipped to enter this cohort, right? And take on whatever childcare responsibility or administrative responsibility so that that can happen. Um, and it, have there been times when you, your wife had to, had to do that for you? Okay. Well, this is like a good and beautiful, loving reciprocal relationship. Uh, and so let's balance that out. So that, that's really good. Yeah. What about you, Amy? What, what comes to mind about things that maybe maybe blind spots? This is really yeah a blind spot question or anything else. Yeah, um, I think that we there's the this aspect of invitation that I think that women need to hear over and over that they are invited to the table and that they their voice, their gifting, their calling, their perspective. Um, is actually is needed 
And, and I think they need to hear that not because they need permission, um, because I feel like, you know, we, we already have our inherent permission to show up because of who we are. Um, and, but I think that there are so many gospel distortions. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think women, that was true for me. Like when I started working alongside Jeff, you know, one of the very first things he said to me is like, I need you to, to share what you're thinking. I need your perspective. And I remember that just opening up this huge thing in me, it was like, Oh, you mean I get to show up? Like, like there's, there's more required of me than what I thought. And I realize as I've worked with women, that's so pervasive. It's not just individual to my story. And again, it's not, it's, it's, it's moving from what we're allowed to do um, to what we've been invited to do and what we get to do on behalf of um, the kingdom. And so, yeah, I think creating space for women to, to flourish in their calling and their gifting is like a proactive thing. Um, and, and looking for ways to, to create space again, not because we need someone to do that for us. Um, because, but because we do actually, (laughs) so it's a both and we don't, we don't need it, but in, in, um, in, in reality, um, we do need to have those spaces created. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I know it's reminded me of a principle of, of vision casting, you know, that you have to say it seven times for people to hear it once. Yeah. <laughs> and, and maybe, I think that's uh, what I heard about the gospel. <laughs> you have to yeah. read it seven times before you finally believe. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And so maybe women who have been uh, raised up in the folk religion of, Hey, you mostly need to sit quietly and support your husband. And there's not a lot of opportunity for you here. Maybe, maybe saying that one, maybe providing invitation one time in the face of a lifetime of the other message is not enough. <laughs> like maybe some women are going to be meet, needed to be invited seven times. Like, no, no, we're serious. Like we really want your gifts to be deployed here. We really believe that you're a leader. We really believe that you're a disciple maker and we want to see that. And, you know, and it may just, it, it, you know, take some time for that to be realized or for, for some women to begin to trust a little bit that that's truly the case, you know, yeah. and it's not a bait and switch or a shell game. Yeah. Or something. So, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think that when you, uh, Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, well, I was just going to say, I think there's also an onus on both men and women to understand why women are needed. And like we have God's word. And I feel like sometimes it just gets uh, limited down to, you know, like first, Timothy 2 and 1 Corinthians 14, which, you know, and we get we get distracted with the limits on women when it comes to something like eldership. But yeah, there's great invitation throughout scripture and examples and stories and just straight up commands of like women leading and women teaching. So I think it's important for all of us to be in the word, to understand how God sees women and why and why we need them. Um, yeah. Love that. Yeah, that is so huge. Well, guys, thank you so much for today. This has been a huge encouragement to me. Honestly, I learned a lot. It expanded my, just my frame, honestly, for the opportunities and even maybe some of the the friction or the barriers that are there for churches. I know that's going to be true for a lot of leaders who listen. And so I'm really thankful for, for both of you. I'm thankful for your ministry at DOXA. I'm thankful for your ministry more broadly as you're helping us think through seeing the entire church 
activated to make disciples in the everyday stuff of life. Uh, man, women are a big part of that. Leader, if you're out there listening, gosh, you've got to figure this out. You've got to figure out how do I make sure I don't leave the women and all their gifts on the shelf of my church. That's that's not the winning strategy. That's not even, it's certainly not God's design. And so I just want to encourage you to listen to this podcast, maybe take away one or two things you could do immediately to strengthen the, this reality of, of women's discipleship in your church or ministry, and then maybe even zoom out and think, what's something I could do over the next year to build even more infrastructure that would get after this at a systemic high level uh, for the advancement of the kingdom? And honestly, for the honoring of women and really women being seen and loved and, and valued as equal image bearers in the kingdom of God and in the church. And so, uh, yeah, but Amy, Allison, thank you so much for, for helping us here and, and serving us to, to learn and grow in this important topic. Thanks for having yeah, us. For, yeah, it was great. Yeah, also saturate uh, listeners. I just wanted to remind you of um, the newsletter. So uh, if you've not ever signed up for the saturate newsletter, it's really the best way to find out about the latest blog posts, the podcast, new resources we're adding to the saturate membership, new live training. Once live training comes back online, uh, you know, after COVID, uh, we, we did do a training a couple of weeks back in Charleston, South Carolina on gospel fluency. And so we're starting to see the beginnings of live training, but you're going to want to know about all that's going on. So I just encourage you to subscribe to the Saturate email newsletter. It'll keep you in the loop. It'll help you uh, engage with all we're doing to see the gospel grow in your heart, in your ministry, and to see the kingdom advance through everyday people who make disciples in everyday life. So uh, thanks for for tuning in. Until next time, uh, signing off, Saturate Podcast. Thank you. Today's podcast was edited and produced by Justin Hugis. Saturate is committed to gospel saturation in North America and beyond until every man, woman, and child has a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders discussing how Jesus is better, his church is more, and his mission is every day. Learn more and activate your Saturate membership at saturatetheworld.com.